everyone, Denise here, and welcome back to Colored Victim. Today's story will be discussing the heartbreaking murder of Vincent Chin. He was a Chinese-American draftsman who was beaten to death by two white men in the early 1980s in Detroit, Michigan. I felt this story to be not only important, but extremely relevant due to the fact that we are still currently living through COVID and how much of an increase we have seen of discrimination against all Asian Americans. So welcome back. And this is the story of Vincent Chin. All right, guys. So I'm going to be completely honest right off the bat. I have never heard of Vincent Chin. And I think his story is a great example of showing that not only you, the audience, will be learning about someone new, but so will I. This just, you know, adds on to the frustration of why we haven't heard so much about these cases as much as others. But hey, that's why we're here. That's why we're here to give a voice and some pride to these people who have passed and remember them. So who was Vincent Chin? He was born on May 18, 1955 in Guangdong Province, China, to which pause right there. I just want to say I will be pronouncing a lot of things wrong, but I am trying, so please be nice. Um, so he was born an orphan. After being there for about 10 years, he was then adopted by Binghing David Chen and Lily Chen. Prior to being adopted, David and Lily really wanted to have a baby. And after multiple miscarriages and confirmation that Lily just wasn't able to have children, they made the honorable and courageous move of adopting. David served in World War II, to which after his service, he was granted citizenship for both him and his family to move to the United States. Once they moved to the United States, they moved to Highland Park, Michigan. And, you know, apart from being immigrants, you have to learn the language, you have to find a job, you have to provide now for your family in a whole new world, basically. And apart from the daily struggles of being a parent, and sacrifices, you also, as an immigrant family, have to realize and handle the fact that you will be discriminated against, which is when we hear that Dave, Vincent's dad, David, got mugged. So already, how familiar are we with this story? I feel that every week I see through social media of a, it's always an elderly person that I hear was mugged by someone or harassed or beaten to death because they're Asian. And this is just the country we live in, especially today due to COVID. So David and Lily decided to move to another place in Michigan to offer Vincent a chance to grow up in a more stabilized community to which is Oak Park 
which is where they moved. Once they moved, it was, like I said, it was a more calm community. And I'm sure, you know, there were those jokes that were made against Vincent. Um, thankfully, he graduated high school in 1973 and became employed as a industrial draftsman at Efficient Engineering, which is a company that's a automotive supplier. And apart from working there, he was also a waiter on the weekends, to which we see yet again a family of immigrants who come to this country not to steal jobs, not to start wars, but just to create a better life for themselves and continue to contribute to our society. So David continues to live his life and gets engaged. They were set to be married on June 28th, 1982, and normally we would think this is a glorious time, but unfortunately, this is where we begin our story. Hey guys, I'm butting in really quick, but oh my gosh, we've been sponsored. I'm so excited. Um, Claire Victim has been sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain why. One, it's free. Two, it gives you tools that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And three, it distributes your podcast for you. Oh my gosh, that last point is the reason why I personally use it because I can just record my podcast, make the tweaks, upload it, and it, it's just on every platform like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more. If you're interested in making your own podcast, I highly suggest that you download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So Vincent was about to get married and just like any other groom-to-be or bride-to-be, because hey, girls like to have fun too, um, Vincent and his friends wanted to go to a strip club, which is completely normal. It's somewhat of a tradition. I personally don't see anything wrong with that. So they go out, they want to have a good time. Vincent and his buddies get to the strip club and they're having a good time. Vincent is enjoying his last few days as a bachelor and the group is just getting a little crazy as it should. I think that's what you're, you should expect from a bachelor party. But there is a party going on two tables down and sorry, it's actually not a party. It's just two men watching them from a distance. And these two men were 43-year-old Chrysler, oh, ex-Chrysler foreman Ronald Evans and his stepson, 22-year-old Michael Nitz. The reason why I included Ronald's profession was because he had just lost his job to Chrysler. This is important because this revolves around the entire reason to as to what happened to Vincent. During this time, we are introduced to the Japanese auto industry and Japan had been uh, one of the top three countries who had manufactured the most cars since 1960 and they even surpassed Germany. So due to the fact that the Japanese industry was booming, 
this did cause a lot of Americans to lose their jobs with the American auto industries because that's just how business works. And unfortunately, this did include Ronald and Michael, for both of them had also lost their jobs due to the Japanese auto industry. So it was reported that Chin and his buddies were getting a little crazy, like I said before, which I think is normal. And this really got on Ronald and Michael's nerves. We had a lot of witnesses and even the dancers at the club say that they heard Eben shout directly to Vincent and his group, quote, it's because of you motherfuckers that we're out of work, end quote. So we are already starting off the situation on a bad foot because Michael and Robert supposedly are upset about losing their jobs. The reason why I said supposedly is because we have a witness of a friend of Michael's who testifies that Michael was not upset about losing his job and I'll show you a clip in a little bit. So they already had a deep issue against Asian Americans or possibly anyone who just wasn't white. So I wouldn't blame the auto industry because of this clip. When I first got pretty close with Mike, Mike had just gotten laid off from Chrysler. And uh, contrary to what you read in the papers, you know, you're talking a young, young guy just out of teens, thought it was great. Get 90% of the pay, they had some kind of sub pay. Starting in spring, summertime, you know, he was not upset about being laid off. You know, here you're gonna collect all this money, could go to on trips, I mean, he loved it. It was great. I mean, who wouldn't, you know, 20 year old kid or however he was then. You see, we finally get to hear the full story that of that assumption that immigrants come here and steal jobs and Americans, racist Americans are upset, but we don't get to hear the full story. There are many jobs that, for example, immigrants take that no one really wants. I don't want, and I'm sure a lot of people don't want them either. So after the slur was said to the group and all of the guys were drinking, they were pissed as any person should be. So the group comes after Michael and Robert and they're about, they're fighting on the ground. You know, it gets kind of rowdy. There are drinks thrown, there's chairs thrown and the security of the club breaks up the group and kicks out Vincent's group first because Ronald and Mike, Michael had bruises and they're bleeding so like a good for Vincent and his buddies who kicked his ass well deserved and that's just what you get. So. The two guys are in the bathroom cleaning up and obviously with the alcohol after a fight blood starts to boil and you know they're probably you know talking smack in the bathroom like oh this is not how this is going to end so after they get cleaned up really quickly they rush outside to find 
Vincent's group again. Vincent's group was still waiting for the two guys outside the bar like, no, this isn't going to end. Both parties were drunk. Both parties were getting riled up. Both parties wanted to fight. When Michael and Robert found the group outside the bar, Michael rushed to his car and took out a bat and proceeded to chase Vincent and his group like this was not going to be pretty. The group was able to outrun them and, you know, I, God, I, I hope it just ended that way, you know, but these two guys were not going to let this happen. So they pursued to find them for 20 to 30 minutes. They're rolling around town looking for this big group for this long. Like, come on, that is just, you were looking for trouble no matter what you say. Don't blame the alcohol at that point. But you're driving, okay, hold on. No one talks about this. I just thought about this right now. They were drinking and driving. I am, oh my gosh, that's already a problem. I'm already, I mean, ooh. I'm going to just match thinking about that. Huge problem. They were drinking and driving for 30 minutes and they found them. The group had been um, hanging out at McDonald's, trying to get some food into their system. It sounds like, hey, that's the best way to end a night. That's the best way, I think, to end any kind of party with some food. And the two men find them. The group, after they ate, they, um, which I don't think was a good idea, but they split up and Chin, uh, Vincent was by himself and Michael and Robert beat Vincent to death with the baseball bat. They had cracked his head open and there was just blood everywhere. There were two cops who were uh, driving along the street and found and saw Vincent being beaten to death by these two men and they witnessed it. So they went to go, you know, stop the fight. They arrested the two men and immediately took Vincent to Henry Ford Hospital in Michigan where sadly he was in a coma for about four days and died officially on June 23rd, 1982. So now that Vincent's gone, he left behind his parents, his fiance, and a community wide of people who were so upset that his story did not make any type of national news. I am now going to go into the criminal charges and the ruling of what happened to um, Ronald and Michael and I was looking around for articles or videos or any documentaries where I could get some insight on what the Asian community really went through through this time and I found an, uh, a documentary which is really it's, it's a little older hence this is the 80s um, but it's called Who Killed Vincent Chin? It's a 1987 American documentary film directed
directed by Christine Choi and Renee Tahima Peña that um, summarized the case that went around Vincent Chin after his murder. And it was actually nominated for an Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature. It was um, later re uh, broadcasted as a PBS series um, and it's really, it was really well made. But what caught me off guard the most from this documentary was that we actually see the two men who killed Vincent. And at first I was like, wait, how, at what point in time was this made? Like, it was just weird to me because in my head I'm like, they probably went to jail something. But that's not the case. Robert and Michael were pleaded guilty of manslaughter not by first degree murder so which is why in the documentary we see the two men talking to us about their points of view of vincent chin and what happened and they're so nonchalant about it it's like they're telling it's like they're talking to you as a friend like oh yeah this is what happened and like like it doesn't like hit them that they killed a man what if uh We'd have had an accident prior to it. What if we'd have went to the ball game? And there's 10,000 what ifs I've asked myself. And it's just like this was preordained to be, I guess. It just, uh, it just happened. He literally just says, it just happened. Like, that's when I say when I drop something or I fell and I laugh about it two minutes later. Like, oh, it just happened. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't click. They don't care. And that's what pisses me off the most. And I think that's why the community had such a public outrage on not only how they were ruled, but as how the two men treated Vincent's murder like, like it was nothing. So, as we go back to the ruling... The documentary says that the judge only asked for one side of the story, meaning only Michael and Ronald's story. They heard what they had to say, and he ruled it as a manslaughter. Something I didn't mention earlier, because I wanted to bring, up, bring it up now, remember when I said that as they were beating up Vincent, excuse me, as they were killing Vincent, there were two officers who came along. Well, those two officers were black. And as I was watching this documentary, that's kind of when it hit me. Because, think about it. This is the 80s. We have two white men who were pissed about, you know, the Japanese industry, uh, automotive industry coming over and, you know, taking jobs of Americans quote-unquote taking jobs and on the other side we have a Chinese American male who's being beaten down and two black cops witness it and arrest the two white males like even if I feel like this were to happen today you're, the judges are gonna be a little I mean I hope not but it seems like you're already like oh we're we lost. No matter what happened, you're always going to side more with one over the other. 
when you have two police officers as eyewitnesses yeah. to uh, any type of crime, I believe both officers should have been notified for court. Both officers should have went to court, mm -hmm. and both officers should have been notified of any plea bargain. You know? uh, in this matter, we were, I would have to say, maybe the last to know. So now we're going to go into the details of the case. The two men told their side of the story and the judge found them guilty of manslaughter. And he said this, he actually said this in court. He said, quote, these aren't the kind of men you send to jail. We're talking here about a man who's held down a responsible job for 17 or 18 years. And his son is employed and is a part-time student. You don't make the punishment fit the crime. You make the punishment fit the criminal." End quote. After Judge Kaufman's statement, he gave both men a pause. I'm mentally preparing you and myself. He ruled both men a $3,000 fine and a $780 charge for court costs with only three years of probation. Not a single day of prison time for the murder of Vincent Chin. I am screaming, I am pulling my hair, I am, oh my, ugh, I, can't, I can't even put into words how frustrated I was when I heard this. But then, you know, the other side of me was like, wait, 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 how can this legally happen? The victim lingered for four days, which again, based upon everything, was indicative to me that they attempted to administer a punishment. They did this too severely in careless, reckless disregard of human life, which is what manslaughter is. And that's what they were found guilty of, and that's what I predicated my sentence on. Had it been a brutal murder, of course these fellows would be in jail now. That was Judge Kaufman, who even months and probably a year after his sentencing, he still agreed that they deserve this plea deal. And some of you may be wondering or want a little more detail on how this works. The documentary included a lawyer who broke this down. It's the process called plea bargaining. The prosecutor offered both defendants the right to plead guilty to a lesser offense, namely manslaughter in exchange for the defendants giving up their right to a trial by jury or a trial by the judge. They accepted that offer and they pled guilty to manslaughter. The only thing that really bugs me is that the response, uh, especially from people in the legal community, has been that these things happen all the time. Sure, police uh, detectives don't even bother to ask people at the scene of the crime anything. So that finally sparked national news not the murder of vincent but the sense sentences of michael and ronald one side of me is like that's not fair it should have started with vincent's horrible murder but the other side of me is like okay fine at least we finally are getting some attention that voice that you guys hear um after the lawyer is the icon herself, the queen, Helen Zia. 
If we see something that we think is wrong or unjust or could be better, that we have each an individual responsibility to find a way to do something about it. And even better, if we can join with other like-minded people to really make a huge difference. And that I think that's something I really believe in. And it's really guided my writing, guided my work. And uh, so I guess you could say that I'm now a loudmouth Asian woman. Oh my gosh, this woman, these women just like, this is from my favorite podcast of all time. It's called True Crime Obsessed. And in this podcast, they say, let the women do the work. Helen Zia is a Chinese-American journalist and activist for Asian-American and LGBTQ rights. And she's actually considered a key figure in the Asian-American movement. Um, so after Michael and Ronald's sentencing became public... Helen and a bunch of other activists organized the American Citizens for Justice, which is also um, abbreviated as ACJ. And what ACJ did is they got together with other groups around the country and protested the sentencing and petitioned that the United States Department of Justice investigated, really investigated, Vincent Chin's murder as a civil rights violation. And... Let's bring out the party music and the confetti. With this help, Vincent's murder case was reinstated. In 1984, the U.S. District Court sentenced Ronald to 25 years in prison for violating Chin's civil rights. Ronald later, which is so stupid, but Ronald later appealed and received a retrial that actually cleared him of all the charges in 1987. But before we all lose hope, both Michael and Ronald settled a civil suit out of court, which had ordered Michael to pay $50,000 to the Chin estate over the following 10 years, which he did pay. Um, But Ronald was ordered to pay $1.5 million, which after so many years had accumulated interest to a now grand total of $8 million. Personally, I do not see this form of payment to be at all any type of justice towards Vincent's death because they did not serve any time. But I did find it a win in a sense where it brought up the community but also brought up, I think, strength that the Asian community maybe didn't think they had. You know, there's a lot of people who, a lot of different cultures who go through this torture and this injustice day after day, year after year, decade after decade, and we just take it. But as time goes on, I think people are starting to say no enough is enough which is why this happened which is why the black lives matter movement started and why so many other movements are beginning to say like no this is not okay and it has 
nothing to do with whether or not the, the something else that people understand these movements are in no way shape or form attempting to continue to split a line between two people the reason of these movements are to create justice and equality which personally as a millennial latina i do not see this to be a bad thing but finalizing vincent's story the aftermath that happened was in september of 1987 lily chin vincent's mom moved back to uh, china and she mentioned she moved because she just didn't want to be reminded of the tragedy anymore which i totally totally understand it must be heartbreaking to you know be around maybe the favorite park vincent used to go when he was a kid or just you know those fun memories that although are always going to be with her but you know maybe that reminder of what happened to her son is just way bigger than um she could bear lily returned back to the united states for a medical treatment in 2001 and did die on june 9th in 2002 but this woman did not leave this earth without giving us a gift prior to her passing she established a scholarship in vincent's memory which is now under the acj which remembers the american citizens for justice with um, helen zia and she left this behind for future generations to come to not only remember vincent's story but to also believe in themselves and to not tolerate any form of discrimination because i feel that change happens when our congress is filled with a more diverse community when we see more of a diverse leadership that's when we make change because when we have people who have gone through the this type of discrimination we want to teach others why this isn't okay and this is why we're going to change the world rest in peace vincent chen and we hope we make you proud i'm so glad that's over um that was really hard i i know COVID's hard I know this pandemic is even harder and trust me, someone who works in the healthcare industry, I get a front row seat of witnessing how this pandemic has affected thousands of families and I mean, the only thing we can do, I used to have a teacher a few semesters ago who told me, this is already a hard situation. Let's not make it worse by being mean to each other. Just be nice, wear your mask, and let's try to get out this together, not apart. Um, thank you again. Thank you so, 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 so much for being here. Um, stick around. I'm always going to include some bloopers at the end of each episode. Oh, this sucks. But tune in next week, February 22nd, where I will be discussing the iconic yet tragic murder of Marsha P. Johnson. One point five million. Million. Is that hard, girl? Really? Is that hard for me to say? Like, that's not something you want in your life. It's million, Denise. 
million. Oh my god, this guy's hijo de su. Ooh, I'm not gonna say it. Sorry, when I'm mad, the Spanish comes out of me, and that is not good for this. We're trying to be professional. And this documentary was really. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh my god, it's raining. Oh my gosh. I swear, this weather, I am constantly taking off my jacket and then I put it back on like, California, I love you, but pick a damn temperature, please.